Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Disney workers give thumbs down on a five-year contract. What workers want and need. Meanwhile, the Labor Board paves the way for a union vote at a Nissan plant in Tennessee. Today on the show, we check in with the Ohio AFL-CIO and UA Local 449 in Pennsylvania. Welcome to the Tuesday, February 7th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least six platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. Tim Berga will be our first guest on the show today. He is president of the Ohio AFL-CIO, longtime supporter of America's Workforce, and we have a lot to cover we're going to zero in on the governor's proposed two-year state budget, which he announced recently in his State of the State speech. The plan seeks to spend nearly $87 billion over two years. The Office of Budget and Management said the plan includes a one-time investment of $2.5 billion in the newly announced All-Ohio Future Fund, for large economic developments around Ohio to attract new business. That sounds pretty good, especially for the trades. Also, school funding. There's a push by the Ohio AFL-CIO and the Ohio Federation of Teachers for fair school funding. There has been a proposal called the Cup-Patterson School Funding Formula, also known as the Fair School Funding Plan, and they want lawmakers to... Take action on it. Will it happen? I guess we'll find out. Other uh, items we're going to zero in on. Affordable housing. The elimination of the state sales tax on baby products, which is estimated to cost the state $16 billion. $300 million investment in career tech programs. $40 million for training Ohio law enforcement officers. Let's see, $100 million per year for low-income housing tax credits and uh, $200 million total for single-family housing tax credits. These are all uh, items that the Ohio AFL-CIO is focusing on. A couple other things that Tim is going to zero in on is uh, possibly raising the threshold to change the Constitution. And there's at least 150 groups are saying no to this idea. The current formula, which is 50% plus one, has been... The procedure in the state of Ohio since 1912, and some are saying, well, you know what, this is going to give uh, too much power to the voters, <laughs> so they don't want that. Yeah, definitely a power grab. The other issue, too, is uh, just another attack on unions, and there's some legislation that's being considered that would prohibit a public employer from providing paid leave or compensation for a public employee to engage in certain union activities. So just a couple of things that uh, Tim Berga will concentrate on. Later in the show, we're going to go to uh, Ken Broadbent. He is the business manager of the United Association of Steamfitters, UA Local 449, UA449.com is their website. They're in uh, Pennsylvania. 
And this is an organization that uh, is involved in so much process piping, steam, hot water, refrigeration, air conditioning, medical gas, boilers, pipe fabrication, all welding processes, HVAC services, energy management, rigging, drafting, industrial instrumentation. We'll talk about the skills that you need to prepare for those jobs. And I want to tell you, if you get an opportunity, go to that website, UA. 449.com later in the show we're going to play a little clip of a young lady who got involved in the united association and how it changed her life she's a single mom and she's struggling but the union turned things around and a lot of good posts there uh, i love what they say it's not what you are that makes you a steam fitter it's who you are and there's a slew of videos that you can check out and get inspired. And maybe you should share that with somebody that's looking for a career, especially as a steam fitter. Their training program is top of the line, top of the line. So Ken Broadbent, business manager of UA Local 449, will be joining us later in the show. And now a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by the good folks at Boyd Watterson Asset Management. $17 billion in assets under advisement, serving the needs of Taft-Hartley funds, corporations, public funds, endowments, foundations, and religious organizations. BoydWatterson.com. Last Friday night, Disney World workers in Orlando overwhelmingly rejected the company's latest offer for a five-year contract. The unions that represent the 32,000 workers, we're talking ride operators, performers, restaurant, retail employees, bus drivers, custodians. They announced that 96% of the workers who cast votes voted against the latest offer. The previous three-year contract expired in October, and since then, Disney World employees have been working under an extension that prohibits them from striking. The company's offer would have raised pay for the workers by at least a dollar per hour every year, bringing most workers up to at least $20 an hour by 2026. It also included various fringe benefits, including an additional 401k plan and eight weeks of paid family leave. Nonetheless, the unions want more. They're demanding an immediate $3 an hour raise in addition to a dollar an hour more every year, which they say is necessary. Why? To address the increasing cost of living in the Orlando area. I have to point out at this stage, if you go to Disney and I could speak to this personally because I've got family members who have gone there and I got some more going there this summer, the cost to take a family to Disney World is astronomical. So the Disney workers have done this. They uh, formed a, a Twitter account here. Disney workers need a raise. The hashtag is Disney workers need a raise. So they're trying to be very vocal on this. And they're also pointing out that the people at the top of Disney are doing pretty well. For instance, former Disney chief executive Bob Chapit, he earned... $24 million in fiscal 2022, which, by the way, is down sharply. The year before, he was making $32 million. The current CEO, Bob Iger, his total package is just shy of $15 million with 48 
$1.5 million the previous year. See, there were some bumps in the road during the pandemic, so they took a pay cut. They went from $45 million to fourteen point nine. And get this, their former communications chief, who was partly responsible for the company's botch response to Florida's don't say gay legislation. <laughs> Listen to this. His name is Jeff Morell. He was hired as a chief corporate affairs officer last January, worked for a three-month period that spanned 70 weekdays, during which he reeled in $8.3 million in total compensation. You know what that comes out to per day? $119,505. A day. A day. Again, you want to help out the uh, Disney workers. Hashtag is Disney workers need a raise. The NLRB ruled last week, three to two, that nearly 90 employees at a Nissan assembly plant, this is in Smyrna, Tennessee, may vote on whether to unionize. The employees are the plant's tool and die technicians, although they comprise only a small portion of the factory's thousands of workers. The board found that they constitute an appropriate craft unit, thereby permitting a union election within the unit to proceed. That's pretty clever. That ruling overturned a 2021 decision by Region 10 that the tool and die technicians were an inappropriate unit because of the community of interest they share with other employees at the plant. The Associated Press explains that the ruling, quote, offers a dash of hope for unions in their struggle to get a foothold in foreign-owned assembly plants in the traditionally anti-union South. And Tennessee fits that mold, especially since uh, the voters there enshrined right to work in their state constitution last November. In uh, recent years, there have been union elections at two of Nissan's other Southern factories, another one in Smyrna, two in Chattanooga, all three of which the union lost. That one in uh, Chattanooga, we spent a whole lot of time on that here on America's Workforce. They lost that vote in 2014 by 88 votes. 88 votes, that was it. One more here before we break. The Woburn Teachers Association reached an agreement with the city. This is in Massachusetts, ending a five-day-long strike. The union secured salary increases for both teachers and paraprofessionals, but hesitated to conclude the agreement due to the city's demand for reimbursement of costs incurred during the strike. The four-year contract will increase teacher salaries by about 14%. Paraprofessionals, get this, they can expect a 40% increase in pay. The city estimated that the cost of the strike was $250,000 for police details, school lunches, and a canceled professional development day, among other things. The Woburn Teachers Association conceded after five hours of negotiations, and they're going to pay $225,000 in reimbursement over the four years of that contract, with an additional $20,000 to be donated to local charities. Boy, that was a tough one. All right, quick break. When we come back, Tim Berga and the Ohio AFL-CIO. This is America's Workforce. 
It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The, the United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US, Canada, Canada and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. Hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland at 216-881-1802. Call Music Talent of Cleveland as your dependable source for professional musicians in Northeast Ohio. Union musicians add harmony to weddings, elegance to parties, and uplifting music for all events. Music Talent of Cleveland contracts solo and ensemble musicians as well as bands and orchestras for single engagements. So hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland today. 216-881-1802. Hello from the Communication Workers of America, District 4. We are a labor union representing a vast array of workers in different industries, including the Association of Flight Attendants, Telecommunications, CWA Passenger Services, Public Health Care, and Education Workers, the IUE. CWA Industrial Division, the National Association of Broadcast Employees, the CWA News Guild, not to mention our growing digital sector, and many others. If you're interested in organizing your work group or learning more about what it means to be CWA strong, visit our website at www.cwad4.org. That's cwad4.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. Let's go to Columbus, Ohio. Welcome one of our longtime contributors. That's Tim Berga, president of the Ohio AFL-CIO. And with the new year, we have a new governor and a budget that needs to be delved into. And the Ohio AFL-CIO is doing that as we speak. Tim Berga. Welcome uh, back to America's Workforce. Talk to me about this budget. I know school funding is a major, major priority, and I should clarify myself, fair school funding. Let's start right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. What are we looking at right now, Tim? Well, it's good to be with you again. The governor laid out his budget priorities in his uh, state of the state speech, and uh, three main areas jumped out. Um during his conversation, one was education, as you brought up, one was housing, and one was economic development. And, uh, you know, some pretty good stuff in um, what he laid out. It's a blueprint. The General Assembly will begin hearings on a variety of all things related to the, the state's budget, some $87 billion over the next two years. But we're obviously keenly watching uh, in public education. The funding, fully funding the uh, Patterson bill, and the governor's laid out. You know, he, he's he's been pretty good on that point. 
Um, we're, we're concerned, though, that there's going to be a continuing expansion of public money used uh, for private school vouchers. And uh, so education is going to be a, a real uh, interest of uh, a real area of interest for us and, the, frankly, everybody in Ohio. So be watching for that during the budget discussions. And then uh, he's laid out some uh, pretty good ideas uh, for, for uh, public housing affordable housing, and then economic development. Um, a lot of money going into creating uh, uh, infrastructure hubs uh, that can be prepared around the state to get to work quickly um, to create new development opportunities. So to me, that sounds like some good news for the trades if they're going to be building uh, infrastructure for businesses. Am I, am I correct in assuming that? A lot of good news for the building construction trades. First and foremost is the infrastructure bill that uh, that Biden um, championed, uh, the CHIPS Act, um, which obviously is going to create this massive opportunity in Licking County uh, for Intel and others. Uh, so the 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 building and trades uh, work is there. It's going to continue to be there. This certainly helps. Okay, good. We'll keep our eye on that one. So can we get into some specifics here? You know, affordable housing, that one really caught my attention because if you take a look at housing today, it's 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 out of reach for so many families. I mean, the average price of a new home today is well over $400,000. You need to make a whole lot of money to live in a home like that. We Do we know anything on, on what he's proposing here for affordable housing? Well, it'll become more clear when the hearings begin, but we know that much of what the governor laid out as it relates to affordable housing and help for low-income families is tax credits. So tax credits for um, single-family homes um, uh, to the tune of $200 million a year, $100 million per year additionally for low-income housing tax credits. So um, mostly in the in, in, by way of tax credits, but I think there may be other things that get introduced that mm-hmm. um, it's needed, desperately needed, and we're going to be, you know, watching and advocating very clear, uh, very closely for uh, opportunities um, for housing become available to more Ohioans, and it's it's a real problem, and I'm pleased that the governor is addressing it. Yeah, what's the uh, timetable on these hearings? When do they start? Hearings start in the House uh, and some of the committees uh, this week, actually. The budget has to be done by Constitution by July 1st, and it has to be a balanced budget. The expectation is is the House will wrap up their work uh, sometime around Easter or just before Easter and then kick it over to the Senate, and then the Senate will deliberate. Um, so uh, it'll be a uh, several months of pretty intense hearings and negotiations and a, a process to hammer out what's somewhere around $87 billion spending for the next two years. Yeah, that's a lot of money. And I know you'll be in the middle of it all. All right, let's move on to this, uh, this move to amend the state constitution. You and I talked about this in the lame duck session. It's um, HJR1. And right now, maybe you should explain this again to our listeners. The, the system that we have in place has been in place for well over 100 years. I believe it was in 1912. And yes. what, what do we need, like 50? Right now it's 50% plus one to change anything. Is that correct? 
Well, yeah, all of our elections have always, you know, in modern times have been 50% plus one. So somebody got the great idea that we ought to change that and require a 60% vote for citizen-initiated-led constitutional amendments uh, or uh, General Assembly-led initiated general uh, constitutional amendments. Now, the problem with that is, A, it's, it's, it's not needed, so it's a, solu- uh, a solution looking for a problem. It's unnecessary. It's unfair. It's undemocratic. So when you look at the history of our constitutional amendments over the last 110 years, it's very difficult to get something to the ballot as it is, very difficult to get a yes vote on a constitutional amendment. But, you know, you're getting into the area of really – um, making it difficult to pass uh, economic development, bond issues, construction, bond issues. Uh, the minimum wage initiative back in 06 uh, would not have received the 60% threshold. It received 57%. A lot of good things have happened, but the, the whole point of this thing is um, now some will say that the sponsor of the measure, Representative Stewart, really doesn't want the uh, reproductive rights uh, folks to go to the ballot, um, you know, with their with, with their constitutional amendment, that that's really what he's trying to do here. I don't mm-hmm. know. But what I do know is that the vote should be 50 percent plus one. Now, what they've done now, we stopped in the lame duck, as you said, 170 organization representing millions of Ohioans came together in about a week <laughs> and went to the state house and said, no, we're not doing this. We're not throwing out 110 years of Ohio law that's worked well and gives citizens an opportunity to go to the ballot to change our Constitution if it's necessary and if Ohioans uh, and a majority of Ohioans think it should be. We're not doing that. Now they want to do that, try to do that again. It's uh, not been formally introduced yet, but it's been proposed. And now they want to make it even harder to get things to the ballot by requiring an even higher bar on a signature gathering. So it's unnecessary, it's undemocratic, it's unfair, and we're certainly going to oppose it if it does uh, become introduced. Now, it would have to, uh, they missed the timeline to put it on the May primary ballot, which is a good thing. So if, in fact, they were able to gin this thing up and ramrod it through against the will of the people, uh, it would be on the November ballot. We're hoping it doesn't come to that. Yeah, that's what happens when you have a, a close to super majority that's trying to take control and remain in power. Speaking of which, can we get into a gerrymandering? I saw a story, I believe it was last week, the uh, former chief justice of the Ohio Supreme Court, Maureen O'Connor, who was the swing vote last year on those uh, proposals to uh, to to you know reshape the uh, the legislative maps is now is involved in the campaign to make it more fair. Where where do we stand with this issue right now, Tim? Well, it's unsettled law. Uh, we actually voted for congressional members and state legislators last November with maps that were ruled unconstitutional, a total of five times by the Ohio Supreme Court. Ohio Supreme Court that had four Republicans on it and three Democrats. Uh, one of those that knew the redistricting commission was not following the law was Chief Justice Maureen O'Connor, who was uh, who was uh, termed out, aged out, actually, 
Yeah. Um, and now as private citizen, she is saying that she wants to be a part of an effort to amend the Constitution again because evidently the Ohio Redistricting Commission is not going to follow this law and create an independent commission. So that would take the Ohio Redistricting Commission, which is made up of legislators, out of the mix. Mm -hmm. Similar to what uh, some other states have done successfully, including uh, Michigan. And all we're asking for is just some balance in this state and some fairness as it comes to drawing our maps. And don't let the politicians draw the maps to rig the map for their own political gain, which is what's happening. And again, the Supreme Court made uh, rulings on the state legislative maps and on the congressional maps a total of five times and said what was sent over to them by the redistricting commission was uh, not uh, conforming with law. And they just basically ignored it and went forward with the elections anyway. So these maps have to be, uh, they're temporary maps as a result. So those are four-year maps. So the redistricting commission is supposed to reconvene again. The expectation is sometime, you know, around Labor Day. Uh, but, you know, we're going to be looking very closely at um, how that process plays out and the possibility of going back to the ballot. And what O'Connor wants to do is to get this on the ballot, not this year, but November of 2024. So this is going to take some time, but certainly one to watch. No doubt about that. OK, one more issue here. And of course, uh, there's got to be an attack on unions. <laughs> what's what's this? Now, this isn't introduced yet, but apparently uh, one uh, the senator, Steve Huffman, is asking for a bill that would prohibit public sector union relief. Can you give us some details on this? What, what's what's at play here, Tim? There's been a co-sponsor request um, by Senator Huffman to stop the the practice of uh, unions in the public sector that are able to release um, union members or union leaders to do union-type work um, that's been negotiated. Um, and when we do release work in the union movement, sometimes the employer pays for it, sometimes the union pays for it, depending on how the contract is put together. Right. And for some reason that's not known to anybody, he wants to end this practice. And really it's just an, an attack on organized labor and uh, so we're not sure what the intentions of the General Assembly will be with this or, uh, you know, if they're going to move it or not. But it caught our attention because it's been asked for co-sponsors. So we're going to try to find out this week who all signed on as co-sponsor. And then uh, but it's got the attention of, of the entire trade union movement because it's really a slap in the face at organized labor for no again, for no reason. And you pointed out this is part of the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement. So uh, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. All right. Anything else you want to call attention to? I mean, th th we have enough on the plate right now. Are we done or what? <laughs> Prepare for a bunch of hearings dealing with the budget bill. And then eventually, as you know, Flash, you got a budget bill. And then at the last minute, a lot of stuff gets thrown into it that oh, yeah. our priorities, you know, so we're going to have to keep our eyes on that. But. You know, we're looking to pull together a legislative conference this year, and we'll share more information on that next time we talk. Very good. Tim Berga, president of the Ohio AFL-CIU. You, uh, you uh, keep your eye on, the, on what's going on down there. I know you're doing a great job, and we'll talk next, uh, next time, okay? All right. Thank you.
All right, we're going to take a quick break. Ken Broadbant is the business manager of the Steamfitters. That's the United Association, local 449 in Pennsylvania, and he'll be coming up next. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrens. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AF. GE.org. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit SurveyAndBalladSystems.com to learn more. The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at boydwatterson.com. Now... Back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on at least six platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. And when you get an opportunity, here's what you do. Just sign up, receive our shows on a regular basis, and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency, where you can find more at ulagency.org. Let's uh, go just outside Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania right now. Joining us on line number two is Mr. Ken Broadbent. Ken is a business manager with the Steamfitters, part of the United Association, local 449, UA449.com is their website. 1,900 active members. Ken started as a Steamfitter in 1975. That's when he entered the uh, apprenticeship program. So, Ken, you're, you're knocking on 48 years here. Buddy, w- when are you going to retire, my friend? I'm 66 and still having fun and making things happen, so <laughs> not in the immediate future. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. So uh, let's talk about uh, your local. Let's see. Uh, you got, what is it, 15 counties? How's the work been for your, for your brothers and sisters there? 
Our work has been good for the last 15 years. We've really been blessed with work, and we just finished up on the Shell petrochemical plant, the cracker plant, which was a huge job for us. We had peaked at 2,600 steam fitters and had about three, 400 local guys and rest guys from traveling across the country. So that job really helped all our funds, our general fund. We raised the building fund and our apprentice fund. We were able to build two buildings. One got finished in January 2017. It is a state-of-the-art technology center, training center, 75,000 square foot. You have 475 apprentices in the program right now. 120 do service. The other 400 or 300 and some do construction. Then we built, turned around after we paid that off in two years and 10 months, we built a new event center with a meeting hall that can handle weddings for 350 and we do our union meetings. We put our union offices up there, our funds administrator, and we even even have a health, Allegheny Health Network rents 7,500 square foot off the front. So we've been rocking and rolling in Pittsburgh. <laughs> That's great. Now, what do you attribute all that to? I mean, you know, politics always has a play. When it comes to uh, construction, you know, economic development and all that, I'm just wondering what's uh, what's going on over there. What's making it happen? Well, you must do this for a living. That's a good lead-in because we actually started slowing up a little bit. I got 100 apprentices off, took a bunch of apprentices in for the cracker plant, and I got about 150 journeymen off, and I got people working out of town in various places. But our work was good because of a lot of commercial work, and we're growing. A lot of people don't realize steam fitters, not only do we install heating, air conditioning, refrigeration systems, but we service them. And we've got about 500 people that ride in vans that service heating, air conditioning, refrigeration equipment. 30% of our work comes from industrial. And through the years with coal-fired power plants, and they built natural gas power plants, well, we were able to really have a lot of consistent man hours. The steel industry was still good to us where we get man hours there. Mm-hmm. Then the Shell petrochemical plant comes along, and we boom some more. But now I'm a little scared. I'm a little scared with COVID, what it's done with office buildings, et cetera, people not working out of the office. But yeah. even more important, industrial work. Industrial work is slow. They've shut down our coal-fired power plants. Uh, once they build a natural gas power plant, there's not a whole lot of maintenance. Uh, they're building more plants and maintaining them in West Virginia and Ohio because of Pennsylvania's laws on energy. And it's scary what's going on in this country nationally. We need a 20, 30, 50-year bipartisan energy policy that we don't fluctuate from it. We set the course. Twice now we've got out of the nuclear industry, and now we're back into it again, saying it's a godsend. We should be building smaller module nuclear power plants wherever we need energy. We should be doing natural gas clean and efficiently. It's it's good for the economy. It's good for your standard of living. Energy is a way of life that helps America be prosperous and the number one country in the world. Yeah, you want that power to stay on. There's no question about that. This conversation that you're having with me, Ken, are you having this conversation with uh, people in power over there? Constantly. We uh, All the building trades in our area... We communicate with our legislators, both Republican and Democrat, because we need to work across the aisle. 
We don't like to work with people that are too far left, that are against energy and, and middle-of-the-road thinking. People that are too far right, uh, we can't get our ideology on to them. See, people don't realize the building trades pays for our own health coverage. When right. health coverage goes up, we take money out of the envelope, put it in, democratically vote for add it at a union meeting. When our pension returns are done, we go to a union meeting, ask for more money out of the envelope, democratically vote and put money in the envelope to subsidize our pension fund. Training. We fund all our own training. So we are not a detriment to the city, county, or the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. We are an asset. And that's what building trades apprenticeship programs do. We are an asset to the community. So we work with Republican and Democrats to try to push an agenda for jobs. Number one important thing to the average American is jobs. Do we want the air clean, the water clean? We certainly do. Building trades hunt and fish, and we want clean air, and we don't like pollution. But jobs, people got to work. They have yep. a middle-class way of life. They have health coverage, be able to retire with dignity. Jobs are the number one most important thing to Americans. Good jobs. We want good jobs. I saw the numbers that came out of Washington last Friday, and the big bump was in leisure and hospitality. Hey, you know what? That's not a middle-class job. That's a part-time job as far as I'm concerned. You want a career, that's where the trades come in. You have a new governor over there in Pennsylvania. How, how's the dialogue going on with, the, with him and also the people in the administration? The building trades are friends and allies of Governor Shapiro. Uh, he's a sharp guy. He's, we've had him speak twice at the Pennsylvania pipe trades. Uh, he's one of the best speakers I've heard. I compare him to Obama or Clinton his speaking ability. And he is middle of the road. He wants to create jobs. We've had conversations about what other states do with jobs right out of the gate. He condensed the permit system. Instead of Pennsylvania taking uh, excessive amount of time to grant permits for a manufacturing facility, he has streamlined that. I think we want to see more battery plants in Pennsylvania. We're seeing them in five states around us. The chip plant in Columbus is good for Ohio. Uh, Pennsylvania needs to be, become business-friendly. And I believe Josh Shapiro will protect workers. He did as the attorney general, and he's going to fight for to bring jobs here and work with businesses so that they can make a good profit and, and then move their facilities to our Commonwealth. Now, Ken, you, you said, that, did I get this correct here, 475 members you have in the, uh, in the apprenticeship program in, over there? Any apprenticeship. Apprenticeship, yep, 475. Yep. And that's a, a quarter, 25% of our membership are apprentices. Okay, all right. Now, uh, are they kind of concerned? I mean, you're talking to me, and so, you know, you're, you're a bit worried here about making sure that they're connected with good jobs. Uh, are they aware uh, of that right now? They are, uh, and I'm a realist, and I'll be honest with you, sometimes when work's so good, people think it's going to be that way forever in construction, and it's not. Uh, so it gives you a reality check that you got to live conservatively, watch your money, and realize that there's always going to be a day when uh, things could be slow and you have to collect unemployment. That's why unemployment is so important to the construction industry, so that when you get laid off, you can collect unemployment till you get your another job so you can pay your mortgage. So being laid off periodically is a way of life in construction, so it's a reality check. But we got commercial work coming up. We're lucky. Western Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh got the universities, the hospitals. We need to see more 
work in both of those industries. UPMC is building a new hospital. Allegheny Health Network builds a lot of facilities. They do them all union, too, because they want them done right. Because building trades are professional construction workers, no different than a lawyer or an accountant being a CPA or a nurse being registered. Right. Ken Broadband joining us on our live line today. He is business manager and has been business manager for 24 years for the steam fitters. That would be UA Local 449 just outside Pittsburgh. UA449.com. We'll continue the conversation right after this. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with Lyuna. Find out what it takes for Lyuna to keep America running at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. Hi, this is Liz Schuler, president of the AFL-CIO, and I am a huge fan of Flash and America's Workforce Radio and Podcast. The United Steelworkers of America represent over 70,000 workers in the state of Ohio. Steelworker members enjoy the benefits of some of the best contracts of any workers in the world. Many of your friends, neighbors, and relatives are members of one of the most effective democratic unions in our country. With the pressures unorganized workers are under in today's economy, you need to join them. So call the Steelworkers Organizing Office at 216-292-5683 or toll-free at 1-800-443-3752. The AFL-CIO is a proud sponsor of America's Workforce Radio. United by efforts to raise wages, listeners to this show and workers all across America are beginning to turn a corner and drive the economic debate. The AFL-CIO is comprised of 12.5 million working people, but we stand with and fight for everyone who is working for a better life. For more information about our Raising Wages agenda, go to AFLCIO.org. Buildings, bridges, skyscrapers, and more. Structures that are the face of our cities and towns were built by members of the Iron Workers Union. That's why it's important that our workforce of over 130,000 ironworkers continues to be the safest and best trained in the field. With 154 training centers, we invest over $90 million annually in safety and training. We're growing the next generation of union ironworkers. There are so many reasons to put your trust in our ironworkers and their employers. Learn more about us at ironworkers.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. Let's go uh, back to our live line right now. Joining us on line number two right now is Ken Broadbent. He is the business manager for the Steamfitters, UA Local 449. UA449.com is their website. And Mr. Broadbent, I got to salute you. You know, I, I do a lot of PR and some advertising. I've been doing it for a number of years. And your website is top of the line. I, I went to it, and I often go to the websites the day or two before the show so I can prep and get some information on what's going on. Those of you uh, just checking in right now, Ken has been the business manager for 24 years. He started – He you started when Gerald Ford was president, so you know – how economic times change over the years. We were in a 
pretty decent recession back then. And, you know, there's always bumps in the road, and you referenced that in the first segment. But your website here, what did you have, a team of people? Uh, talk to me about that part because it's, it's so important today, and Ken, you know this, getting the message out. And that's exactly what we try to do on this show Monday through Friday, get the message out on what unions do. So talk to me about what you put together over there. Well, I'm glad. That's a great question, again, because social media is – I'm not the best on social media or the new technology, but we've got to play that game. We've got to communicate with younger people. That's how they communicate with one another. So we redid our website about a year and a half ago, and we're happy with that. And we've done some films to put on there. We just got done with a virtual tour that we're going to put on there so that when we see – a young candidate that might be doing HVAC for a non-signatory company, and he doesn't want to run out to our hall, which is a half hour north of Pittsburgh, out to our school, hey, go on our website, take the virtual tour. We've even started running commercials on TV. We're going to be on March Madness. I hope you like college basketball. You're going to see our commercials because people need to know what a steam fitter does. They need to know that we're not just welding pipe and putting steam together. We do heating, air conditioning, refrigeration, and we service all these facilities to make sure you have heat, to make sure you've got refrigeration in your supermarkets and your pharmacies. So people need to know what a steam fitter is, and that's why we're running commercials. That's why we got a website. That's why we do social media, to get the message out. So, Ken, when did you start this, and what kind of results are you getting so far? Or is this a too, too, too premature at this stage? Well, we do got to connect with our social media to see how many people we're getting, but we've already had things in our school. People take films or when we've done open houses where they end up on TikTok. If you just Google Steve Bitters on YouTube, our commercials come up. So I've had other locals and people that aren't in the business – say that they've seen steam fitter commercials or saw them on YouTube. So I believe we are making a great investment to get our name out there and get the word out. We need to recruit quality people. It's just like the Steelers, if they could take three people off every NFL team, would be the best. We recruit out of all the high schools, the Votech schools, the various schools of community colleges. We want to know tell people what we do, and we want to bring the best motivated, determined people into our local. Because if they make money for our contractors, we keep our middle-class way of life. Now, Ken, you, you know a lot of the high school counselors are trying to drive everybody to college, all the, you know, the juniors and the seniors, and that's been going on for years. Uh, a lot of these college kids, as you well know, go to college, then they incur a lot of student debt and they don't have a good job when it, when they come out um is that message getting through to uh, some of the counselors right now saying you know what maybe maybe you shouldn't go to college maybe you should go to ua local 449 is that happening uh, we're starting to see more of it i think 25 percent of the people that take our mechanical aptitude tests are college graduates and you are right people are looking for a better job better benefits uh, why have college debt of eighty or a hundred thousand uh, dollars for so many years paying off on it? And you can't buy a house, so you're seeing more counselors talk about it. We're visiting more high schools than we ever have. We're looking for more diversity in our union. People like UPMC and Pitt and the Penguins—they want to see the job site look more like the community. Building trades unions 
try to attract diversity. Could we do better? Absolutely. We, we do a lot better than the non-union contractors that we compete against. So we are trying to communicate more with the high school kids. Uh, it is a new in fashion thing to do with counselors who've always recommended college and bypass the trades as a golden opportunity. Ken, if you don't mind, can we pick up a little bit on diversity there? Because I know the North American Building Trades who just came out with a survey, which we talked about here on the show. When it comes to union which, versus non-union, uh, you see twice as many females uh, being picked up by the trades as opposed to non-union. Same goes with the African-American. I think it's even higher, maybe four or five times. How are we looking at uh, 449? Is that happening there? Uh, we are trying to work a lot to bring more diversity in. And I'll be honest with you, uh, we get a lot of women easier than we can get African-American males. Uh, we're having trouble. Sometimes people don't have a license. You need to travel to job sites. We're going to a lot of the Pittsburgh City Public Schools, Erie Public Schools. Uh, we're running commercials with a couple African-American apprentices, males, and a couple females. And they're great commercials showing that this is a good chance you make a living. So we've got to communicate more with that part of the community. We've got to do some different things to work with them. Uh, we've run a diversity welding class where we had six African-American males and two females in it practicing welding, all for free, and fed them lunch and give them all the equipment and material at our school, trying to get people to get the skills that help them on an interview to get into the local. So we're doing everything we can, and other building trades are too, because this isn't just a fashion thing that's in sync right now. It's a way of life, and it's the right thing to do. And no one does it better than union building trades on attracting diversity compared to non-signatory contractors. We're probably at 15%, and we need to be much higher than that. Well, you got to let the folks in the program tell the story. What I want to do right now, and this is posted right on the website, those of you maybe later in the, in the day, go to UA449.com. Through their own voices, steam fitters tell their stories of opportunity, hopes, and dreams. And right now, I'm going to play a little uh, snippet here of Kelly. Now, Kelly's a single mom. And she joined the UA and she talks about it. Let's listen here on America's Workforce. He handed me a stinger and a rod and a piece of plate and he said, you know, go to town. And from that first initial spark, I was just hooked and then I saw myself making a career out of this. Being a steam fitter has changed my life completely. I've never had the opportunities or the dreams that I do now, and I know I'll be able to achieve them. I think a lot of people look at this as just a man's job, and it's it's absolutely not. Um, there's a whole career opportunity out here just waiting for women to jump into. It's a great career. Through the steam fitters, the whole world is an opportunity now. I wasn't mechanically inclined at all. Growing up, I did 4-H in rodeo, and during my rodeo career, actually, I got to serve as rodeo queen for Sundance Arena. That was a really fun time in my life. Being a single mom, it's unlike anything I've ever had to go through. But I wouldn't trade it for the world. I was actually bartending, and uh, I worried every day about how I was going to be able to provide for them. So when I found out that I was getting into the apprenticeship, I cried for probably three hours. I've never had a moment like that. I'm finally able to prove myself and become a steam fitter. 
This was my chance to really provide for my kids. This has been a big dream of mine, and I finally achieved it. It's really a brotherhood. We all watch out for each other. You always have this team of people behind you. We all keep each other safe and in, in, in and out of work. It's really a beautiful thing. Being a steam fitter has become a part of me. I mean, it's an absolute privilege to be able to be a part of this union. It's not what you are that makes you a steam fitter. It's who you are. Over a hundred years, and we're just getting started. Once again, that is one of many videos posted on the Steamfitters website, ua449.com. Those in the apprenticeship program telling their story, why they decided to go into the trades, especially UA449. Ken, uh, just a little bit of time left here, but uh, this is great. I'm, I'm so glad we had you here on the, the broadcast and the podcast, and you just wanted to uh, button it up by talking about the fact that we need more training dollars, especially when it comes from uh, like the local and state governments. Uh, what's a, what's the situation right now, Ken? Well, when you talk about guidance counselors and you brought up Governor Shapiro, that all ties into training dollars. The building trades put roughly a dollar an hour of most locals into training, and we fund our own training, pay for our instructors, the material, all the hands-on equipment. But if we had more training dollars, we could do better. Some people want to start a program here, a program there. Why reinvent the wheel? The building trades have had apprenticeship programs since the 50s, and we do it right. We're all professional at what we do, no matter what craft we are. And if we could get more state training dollars, line item that would feed the legitimate apprentice programs that have a high graduation rate like us, we could create more jobs for people, more middle-class jobs where they have health coverage and pension vehicles and free training. So we need the federal government and we need the state government to realize they get a return on their money by investing in legitimate apprenticeship programs. Well said, my man. Ken Broadband, business manager, UA Local 449. Do check out that website, UA449.com. Well, I can see why you don't want to retire. you got a lot of fire in that belly, so you keep going, brother, okay? <laughs> you got it. I appreciate you giving us an opportunity. Thank you. Anytime. Keep in touch. That'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Tomorrow, we're going to check in with the Connecticut State employees and Lyuna in North Dakota. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening. And be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.